sana, sana, un grito de rana. Si no te sanas hoy, te sanas mañana. No matter how much pain you are in, this little phrase always makes you feel better. Navigating the field of public health can come with growing pain. The Latinx young professionals are navigating the public health field while helping others along the way. Join us this season as we explore Latinidad in public health. This is Sana Sana, Latinos in Public Health. Juan, Julino, welcome. We want to know more about you. So tell me the story of how you realize your career is in public health. Ooh, can I take a sip of my wine real quick? No, just kidding. How I started, I was a psychology major in, in undergrad. I always wanted to go into health, but I didn't understand really what that meant at the time. I think there's like the big three in undergrads, like pre-med, pre-farm, pre-dentistry, or like there's like the big five, like, you know, like the pre-PTs or whatever. And that's what my vision was of what I wanted to do. Like I, I thought of health and I thought of individual healthcare. And so I, I didn't, I didn't really like it, but I still try to go into pharmacy. Some people like it and that's great. I, I thought I did. I, tr I like chemistry, but I didn't like pharmacy. And so aside, I knew that I had to do like a major alongside my pre pharmacy track. And so I did psychology and, and I was sitting in a class called stereotypes and prejudice. And we were talking about experiences with microaggressions And I thought, wow, like this is super relevant to me. This impacts health. What would that look like at a population level? And so then I, and I found public health after Googling <laughs> literally like population level. Good old Google. Google yeah. did it for y'all. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, I think a lot of people who tend to like fall upon public health are, are some free health track and realize that their, real, their true feelings of wanting to serve the community, serve people, is actually an element of public health. And we didn't know that we really wanted to do public health in the beginning. And we had to go through this like maze of, of information. Because it doesn't come from, it doesn't come from our families, but that's not something like, oh, you're gonna be a public health practitioner and a researcher. Yeah. It's a lawyer, it's a doctor, it's all these different mm -hmm. uh, professions. 100%. My mom, I was growing up, she always said, I, you're going to be a doctor. And I was like, mm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be a doctor, like a <laughs> medical doctor, you know? But yeah. I guess it, it depends. I think there are goods to society that you can be doing. Mm -hmm. And I think public health is a beautiful field that's definitely gained a lot of attention in the past couple months or year. Or year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and years to come. <laughs> years to come. You're mentioning your your mom and I want to know because this is also Latinos in public health. Entonces, mm -hmm. where's your family from? Where what is your family migration story here? Oh, I love talking about my family, especially my mom and my pops. I think their stories like honestly, I kind of feel just so incredibly impressed by the a the hardships that they went through but also b how normal they acted about it and it's mm -hmm. like i look in here and like listen to these stories and like there's nothing normal about that and i mean not normal but like how well they carried themselves 
So my parents are both from a northern state in Mexico. They're both born and raised in a place called Coahuila. Uh, my dad moved. He came to the United States when he was 14. He went by plane. He didn't mm-hmm. speak any English. And he just came with relatives and he worked like odd jobs trying to support his my grandma. My mom, she came a very prominent mm-hmm. family, went to college, and she was a teacher for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they met at a baile, <laughs> like <laughs> like a disco. Yeah, and like and the, that's how you know. met people before. Now it's now it's online. <laughs> I know, right? It's online, but uh, they hit it off, and they came to they came they moved. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's their story. They came here and. They've been here ever since. It's it's so awesome to hear how families unite and how we like end up in one spot. And there's such a there's such a connection between social support and where we end up living in our um, communities. Like the reason why I live in Miami or in New York and between those two is because family and friends were there for my family. Yeah. So it, I think you hit a really important point about how that's what usually friends and families what brings us to certain places, especially coming from outside of the United States. Yeah, I grew up with my cousins, my tias, tios, like they were all there. And at the weekends, like we'd have, we were just running around being kids and they were there having barbecues and stuff. It was, it was yeah, great. Me too. You, you just mentioning that just makes me miss childhood a little bit more than than before i know from our conversations before that you are intersecting immigration health yeah and how does that inform what you do today and what do you do today well that's a great question so i'll start out with what i do today and then i'll answer how that i think that intersects with why i do that i am a researcher at the university of iowa college of public health i am uh, on two labs, one's an immigration enforcement health equity lab, where we're looking at the health implications of immigration enforcement in Iowa specifically. And another lab where I actually do most of my work is a sterilization and social justice lab, looking at sterilization records in Iowa, California, and themes in re- regards to criminality. So uh, back in the day, uh, in the era of eugenics, a lot of individuals thought that criminality was a genetically heritable trait. So people would be essentially like, if you're characteristic X, you're more likely to have disease or crime X is going to happen or whatever. And I mean, those, those things carry on today, which is whack. Right. And into our policing too. Exactly. Yeah. That's for another, that's for another day. (laughs) 100%. And what really interests me about that, I think a lot of we, we researched things that about our identities that we're like curious about, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been extremely privileged in my life never having to be impacted directly by immigration enforcement, that family impacted by it. But my nuclear family, as they say, or very in- close family has never. But I think when I was trying to in- find a field where population health was related to my questions in life I started to see listening to the stories of mm-hmm. families impacted by immigration enforcement I, I heard I heard my mom I heard my dad in these stories I, mm-hmm. I saw them 
And I started to think of myself too, like listening to them describe their kids. And I know that I just felt a lot of like, we were just talking about like family and how we come mm-hmm. here. And this mm-hmm. is simple stuff like that. Being able to relate to things like that. That's really how a lot of my identities intersect with my passions. And that's because like, there's so many questions I have and like why things are the way they are. Wow. We go into the field to find the answers that we wish we had when we were younger or the resources that we wish we Mm -hmm. had when we were younger. It's beautiful that you've been able to kind of cultivate that and find your way to that. For someone who's just starting out their journey, what advice would you give them? Like they're just starting, they're exploring. They're someone who's just like, all right, I didn't know what public health was until COVID-19, now I do, I want to help. Mm-hmm. So what were some of the things that helped you and what people, how many, who helped you along the way in your journey? So I'm going to start out with a shout out to my mentor who has changed my life. Honestly, I met them and they, so I think one of my, one of my character building, I wouldn't say flaws. I was, it was in season two of my life, you know? Uh, <laughs> I like that character building. Yes, I'm st- I'm still living my seasons. I think I was incredibly shy. Just didn't be- I believed in myself to some extent, but I didn't believe in myself, you know? Like I didn't see who I could become. And I found a mentor who yeah. found a mentor who really just made me comfortable and they saw something in me that I did not see in myself. And that's not to say you need a mentor to do that, but I think I just didn't believe that I was good enough at times and that then I started to think of dealing with the loss of my dad. I thought at the time, you know, that's just something that everyone goes through. But like, it doesn't matter if everything goes through it. We're all impacted by some things and some things hit us differently based on our own life experiences. So stuff like that or like financial troubles. And then that's like the tenets of public health, right? These things like are the populations deal with. And I started to see these themes of, you know, actually I thought I was good. And like, I was good at times. Honestly, there was a lot of moments in my life where I was struggling. And I just didn't want to admit it. And I don't know if that was just because I didn't want to see myself as like not as strong enough or like weak, but I didn't want to admit that I was struggling and I was, and my mentor helped me see, they made me believe in myself. I don't know how they did it. (laughs) Like they did. And I started to believe myself in everyday life and all the everything. And so bless, bless their heart. My mentors, they've changed my life so much. And, And I guess something to incoming public healthers or incoming anyone to any field is that I think uh, I'm going to tell y'all like you're good enough. You may not realize that, but there are people that you have met in the grapevine and they believe in you. And so I think that's something to remember is, you know, think of your mom, think of your family, think of your friends. Like there are people out there that just believe in you and they've, but also too, just like go like learning do it yeah do it (laughs) there's nothing like genetic about learning at all like can learn anything i think some people are just extremely privileged to have parents with you know have having had done it you know i didn't have that growing up sometimes but like my parents are still wonderful and they did things for me that other parents didn't do so but like and i'm not trying to limit to just parents or and friends too and you know money and all this other stuff like classes and the schools you go to, but you can learn anything. 
and you're good enough. So that's, that's, that's all. That's, I think that's it for me. You mentioned something that was really important about like people believe in you. Right. And we forget that we forget that people believe in you. And I think my cat may be chiming in to agree with me that you are amazing and that um, I actually seen you grow and I, I didn't know that I had a feeling that you were shy when I first met you, but I didn't know it was to that point of like painstakingly shy. And I want to know like how these little micro moments of like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to connect with this random person who wants to build a young professionals committee um, back in 2018. How do those moments um, kind of, helped you along the way it's that one movie with toto from the wizard of oz and there was like the, the cowardly oh, yeah. lion yeah the cowardly lion. Yeah. yeah it's like i mean i'm i would not to say i was kind of scared in some of those moments it's like going to like or like raising your hand at of at a, a presentation asking a question yeah but i still did it and I think uh, I did it because I wanted, well, I didn't want to waste the opportunity. I think that came from just talking to my mentors and just them. You can, you can do it. And uh, I, how I felt though, like meeting, meeting y'all and just meeting everyone and like micro steps was just, it felt really nice. Honestly, it just, I think growing up in Iowa, you don't really, well, with the Latino caucus, like, you know, I've always identified as Latino, but to identify as Latino and to have other Latinos around you. Um, who are in public health. Who are in public health. It's, it's a beautiful feeling, really, just to be able to relate to other humans to some extent, regardless if we're all from the same place or not. You know, colita, colito, which still hurts. <laughs> That's true. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um and I think you mentioned a really good thing because you talked about how you had a mentor within the academic setting that helped you kind of develop yourself. And then you sought out, from there, you sought opportunities to connect with other folks outside of your, of your, of the University of Iowa. And just like being able to network and, and you know, create linkages. So, what are you doing right now? How do you how are you do how are you using that networking style to kind of kind of get into other places and develop other skills that necessarily it's not within the academic side? I think uh, I always have this like I learned this lesson. Uh, you can learn one new thing from anyone if you just give them the opportunity to teach you or you give or they give them you the opportunity to teach them. And I go into like networking and like whatever it is thinking that. And I, I want to learn from people too. I want to hear people's stories or experiences. And so literally just, you know, learning something from someone, letting people talk to me about their passions or like not even it's not letting, but like I want to listen. I want to know why, what drives you and what drives people. And I think that to me is like, that kind of brings the humanity to, how do we bring the humanity to everyday situations? And like, we just chatted about, we want to know, I think we're passionate about the things that relate to our lives in some way. And so like, I mean, that's not, 
true for everyone. Some people go into a profession not necessarily being super passionate about it. But most of the time, there's some sort of like connection you can make and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I and also too, it's, it makes it's easy in public health because it's just grounded in this idea of social justice uh, philosophy, right? And so, you know, a lot of people you meet, they, there's some sort of grounding that's similar, and like whatever passion it might be in environmental health or or uh, looking at like cancer epidemiology or uh, immigration enforcement, how do we connect in those ways? And I think it's just asking questions and listening. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you you mentioned, like, people within public health, you kind of see that this orientation towards social justice. Um, and I know you recently just fell, not fell into, you applied for this opportunity through your connection, through the, the announcement of the Latino Caucus. Can you tell us more what you're doing now for American Public Health Association? Uh, yes, I'm on a committee for health equity and social justice for three years. I'm going to be a little bit older by the end of it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's a really great opportunity. We, we are, we're it's a group of people that are part of APHA who represent various affiliates or caucuses or sections. And we have our own take on health equity and social justice and what it means to us. And I think that's so beautiful because like our experiences, you know, like we can have like a knowledge on a topic, right? But like, it's our experiences with that topic that really differ. And uh, it's, that to me is just like, it's so, it's like, it's incredible phenomenon. Right? And you, you you hear things you just never thought about. And with that, you know, like that's like something I'm incredibly passionate about too, so. So, for someone who's listening, how would you, what's one thing that you would say that a young professional can help, can do now to help achieve health equity in our community? I would say don't listen to the single story for one. Uh, so this idea of a single story is you listen to and you, you get like one story about like a, a entire culture or entire like say with like a disability or a gender or sexual identity and everyone that fits into that whatever that story is all of a sudden you kind of distribute it out (laughs) so that's one thing don't be essentially don't stereotype or be prejudiced um but to just like i think give people a chance think about health equity and social justice i it's not something I'm, I'm telling you individual th- approaches for like a, a societal problem. But I think with that, how do we tackle the ideologies? How do we tackle like these like really deep rooted power differences? Us as individuals can start out by just literally being empathetic, literally being listening to each other. And, um, and then from there, we can like kind of tackle like the ideologies a little bit more but that, that's my suggestions i love that stay away from single-sided story you definitely will lose the richness of having a multiple narratives um, that kind of contribute to um, truly achieving 
health equity. So I have one last question for you. And we, right. we already know. I want you to finish the sentence. Oh, and provide an example and provide an explanation for your for your finishing the sentence the way you just finished it. Sana sana. Colita. <laughs> Verana. I love this so much. I I mean my parents are from Mexico and northern Mexico. That's the way we grew up saying it. So I'ma say it like that. You can say colito. I'ma say colita. I'ma say colita for the rest of my life. But uh, it's a it's a beauty of our cultures, right? We have differences in it. Of course, of course, the heterogeneity of of Latinidad and the way that we say sana sana culito verano, the way that you're so close to say it, but it's it's okay, you know. We'll we'll have differences. With that being said, thank you for listening to this episode of Sana Sana Latinos in public health. I'm your host, Andrea Cobo, over and out. What's your, what's your, who's your best friend? What's their name? Best friend. Yeah. Just like one, one really good friend. Like, give me a name. Sonia. Sonia. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was on the phone with Sonia. She got a realtor license. Now she's my homegirl. 